0: You've heard it said that God has blessed you to be a blessing, right? You've heard heard that saying, you're blessed to be a blessing. And it's true. It's true. It's a true statement. God has indeed blessed you to be a blessing. It's not to say that God doesn't want to bless his children just for the sake of blessing them. I believe that's also true. I believe that God wants to bless you just for the sake of blessing you because you're his, because you're his child. You're his son, his daughter. He wants to bless you. But that's not the end of the line for the blessing that God has brought into your life. You're not to be a reservoir of God's blessing, but a conduit of his blessing. Amen? You're blessed to be a blessing. You're blessed so that you can turn around and be a blessing to others around you. Now, this thing when you say it, see, it, you know, when you say that phrase, it seems obvious enough. You're blessed to be a blessing, and I, I don't think you get any, any major objection to it. You're blessed so that you can turn around and be a blessing to others. But we need to be reminded of this tonight. We need to be reminded, and if you look through the scripture, there's constant reminder of everything that we need to be reminded of as Christians. And I believe that we really need to be reminded of this this point, this principle, that we're blessed to be a blessing. In our text tonight, 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter is continuing to encourage the believers, those first century Christians. And his encouragement continues to us tonight as 21st century Christians. Peter has been delivering powerful instruction to the Christians about their conduct, their conduct in their life. He has dealt with their day-to-day conduct, He's dealt with our political conduct. He's dealt with our conduct at work. He's uh, dealt last, last time our conduct in our homes and in our marriages. Peter brings it back around full circle in our passage tonight to add some more admonition for our day-to-day conduct. Here in our text, he touches on, on things that should be a part of our regular routine, the regular routine of our Christian lives. Peter tells us that we're called to blessing and he gives us principles on how to be a blessing to those around us in our lives. So let's open up our hearts tonight and our minds to hear and receive the word of God from the Lord and to learn how we can be a blessing. The first point is this, and I think I have one point tonight, one point, and it is simple. Bless others. Bless others. Let's pick it up. Verse 8 of 1 Peter 3. It says this, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Bless others. We're blessed to be a blessing and we're, we're blessed to bless others. The first key... And being able to bless others in our lives is to be of one mind. This is what Peter says here in our text. He says, finally, all of you be of one mind. This is absolutely the key. This is absolutely the key. If you're going to be a blessing to other people, if the blessing that God has brought into your life is going to flow through you and it's going to uh, be a blessing to other people in their lives, the key is that we're to be of one mind. Now, most of us are willing to have one mind as long as that one mind is your mind, right? As, As long as it's my mind, we're, 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 we're all good about being of one mind. But but it's it's not about being of one mind. Well, let me say this. I think there is a principle of being one-minded, single-minded. That is a scriptural principle. There's a there's an admonition against being double-minded. James brings that admonition. He says the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so we do have to be of one mind of 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 one singular mind. But the mind that we need to be of is not the one mind that is ours, but it is the one mind that is God's. Amen. We need to be of one mind, and Paul put it this way in First Corinthians chapter two verse sixteen. He said, "This for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him." But we have the mind of Christ. Our common mind is to be the mind of Christ. It's to be Jesus' mind. Now, God is a mind, right? God is a mind. He's a spirit. Jesus told us in John chapter 4 when he had that conversation with the woman at the well, he said God is a spirit, and he's looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. But we know uh, that God is a mind. He's the mind that is behind the creation. When you look at everything, you look at the intelligence in creation, Amen. You look at the intelligence in every system that we see, whether it's uh, the ecological system, whether it's all the systems of biology, the systems of our body, the systems of, of, of the atmosphere and all the rest of it. We see the intelligence of the mind of God and that there is a mind behind this creation, that this didn't happen by accident, that God is a mind. He's a, he's a super mind. Amen? And, and, and so not only is he that mind, but he is the mind that we need to be of one mind of. Amen? As Christians, we, we need to be of the mind of God. We need to be of the mind of Christ. Now how do you do that? Right? Amen? How, do you, how, do, how is it that you can be of the mind of Christ? How is it that we can be of one mind? We learn the mind of Christ through the Scripture. Amen? Amen? We learn of, of, the, of the mind of God, of the, of the heart of God, of, of, of what is in his mind. We learn it from Scripture. He has laid out detail all throughout Scripture. He's laid out principles. He's laid out things, Lord, that, that he is about, that is, uh, is of his mind. And so we learn of these things through Scriptures, and we learn of them, of the things that Scripture tells us that God is and the things that he has done. Amen? And so we need to be. Of that same mind. We go through the scriptures. We learn of his love. Amen. We, we, the, he, God is a mind. But he, he, he's, a mind, he's, a, he's a spirit of love. Amen. God is love. We, we, we learn of his righteousness. We learn of his justice. We learn of his holiness. We learn of all these characteristics. Of, of who he is. This mind that is God. This spirit that is God. And we're to be of that same mind. Amen. Now another place, the Apostle Paul tells us about being of the same mind, of the mind of Christ. There in 1 Corinthians 2, he he said that we have the mind of Christ. But one of the classic scriptures on having the mind of Christ is none other than Philippians chapter 2 known in theological circles as the kenosis passage, the self-emptying of Christ, which is where he emptied himself to become a man, to come to this world, and to put on flesh. It's the self-emptying. In theological circles, and you have to wrap your mind around this, it's the humiliation of Christ. It's the humbling of Christ, and not in the sense of the humiliation of Christ like he was walking around with toilet paper you know, stuck to his heel. No, it's the humiliation of Christ where he humbled himself To literally put on flesh and become a man. And so we see this in Philippians 2 where it describes the mind of Christ in detail. And and Paul put it this way to the Philippians. And I'll have these verses up on the screen for you. Beginning at uh, chapter 2, verse 5. He said this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of of the cross, And then, you know, from there, Paul goes on. He describes in those verses, he describes the humiliation of Christ. And then he, he describes the glorification that he has ascended to the highest place. And God has given him the name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. But here we're talking about the mind of Christ. And Paul says to the Philippians, he says, let this mind be in you. If you're, if you're going to have a mind, if you're going to let any mind be in you, let this mind be in be in you. The mind of Christ. That, that he, he who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. The language there talks about holding on he he didn't hold on to his position, his place in glory, but he took him he took on the form of a of a bondservant. He took on flesh. He put on flesh. The God of creation, the mind that is behind this universe, that is behind this earth, he put on flesh. He became a man. To be to become one of us. He humbled himself. And it is a, this is an incredible thing. And we we, we we think about humbling our own selves. Let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. To, 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 for us to be humble people that, 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 that look out for other people. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant, coming in the likeness of man. and he found himself in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself, even becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. You think of the, you know, there's the song... Uh, in the Bible, there's this idea, um, you know, there's all these different places that um, scholars have said, well, you know, this is, this is talking about the Lord, or this is referencing the Lord. And one of those places, I believe, is, depending upon your interpretation of the book of Song of Solomon, uh, <laughs> which is an interesting book, by the way. It's an interesting, you know, book for couples and all kinds of stuff going on there. And, um, and so anyways, maybe we'll have to do a study on Song of Solomon and we'll fill up the rest of these seats. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. But in that passage, it talks about, it talks about the Rose of Sharon, right? And, and uh, there was an old song that talked about the Rose of Sharon wore a crown of thorns. When you think about God becoming man and going to the cross and literally having a crown of thorns stuck in his head. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? Now, when we work to be of the same mind as Jesus, then we're going to have this, the same mindset of loving others. We're going to have the same mindset of serving others. We're going to have the same mindset of blessing others. You, you can't, I don't know that you can have the mind of Christ... And not be a blessing to other people. It would just be impossible, right? How could you have the mind of Christ? How could you put on the mind of Christ and not be a blessing to others? Because the very mind of Christ is to humble yourself to be a blessing to others. To serve others. To love others. Now Peter goes on here. He says, finally all of you be of one mind. Having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender hearted. Be courteous. So he he's, he tells us, he says, have, have compassion. Have compassion for one another. You know, I think this is, you know, these are the, these are the little finer points that we have to remind ourselves of. You know, there's some people that are just super compassionate people. You know, that, I'm, I'm talking about they're so compassionate, like a frog gets smashed or something. They're like, oh, the frog, you know, and I'm like, oh, who cares? You know, it's just a frog. But there's some people that are so compassionate, you know but we're to be compassionate for one another. We're to, we're to, we're to be mindful of other, the, 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 the people's situations around us. Amen? We're to, we're to love as brothers. Now, I find that interesting because I didn't have any brothers, but I have three sons, and they remind me all the time, Dad, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like because we're brothers, and brothers can fight. If you, you, anybody, you know what I mean? Brothers can fight. And, and at times they have a love-hate relationship, brothers do. It's a love-hate relationship. And I've seen this firsthand with brothers. I mean, literally, I mean, if you're a father of brothers, you have pulled guys off of guys, you know? You have done this, you know? This is what happens. And you know what? It can be like that. In the church, because that sometimes in the fellowship, in the greater body of Christ, there's friction. People have different mindsets; they have different attitudes. Maybe they're, they're, you have people that are not going out, being of one mind, being of the mind of Christ, and so there can be friction, and and, and and there can be that type of thing. And we've got to love as brothers in the sense that we're loving, we're we're loving and being compassionate and being courteous. He says, he says, tender-hearted. It's not tenderhearted when, you know, you, you've got to, you know, it was so funny, too, because when, uh, when Luke was born, we, you know, when Trey, uh, when Jacob was born, we got, uh, I'm sorry, when Trey was born, we got Jacob like a big brother, uh, I'm sorry, I'm butchering this. <laughs> when Jacob was born, we got Trey a big brother gift. Then when Luke was born, we got both of those guys big brother gifts. And I don't know what was going through our heads, but we got them boxing gloves. (laughs) And we had this trampoline in the backyard. We had this trampoline in the backyard, and and I I was nuts, okay? I was just pure nuts. You know, I had my video cam. I got these two boys. They got their little trunks on, got them all with their boxing gloves. And I said, okay, get up there on the trampoline. And I said, okay, and I started filming them. And I said, okay, go at it. Ding, 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 ding. ding." It was like rocky, you know, the whole thing. Okay, ding, 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 ding. Okay, go at it. And I started, I started narrating. Like, a, you know, I was calling the fight. Here we are back here. We're in Orlando, Florida, Hunter's Creek. It's, Friday, it's a Thursday night fights in the vistas, you know. And, and I actually put together a whole video. I got to dig that up. That'd be funny to actually dig that up. But we got them boxing gloves. But this is, we're not to have boxing gloves in the, in the house of the Lord. Amen. We're to, ha, we're to be tender hearted. And, we, and we, if we've got our fists up, if, we, if we're ready to fight, we're not in that posture to be tender hearted towards one another. And we really do. And I, and I think that it's tough. It, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I'm going to go out on a limb. It's tough sometimes in these days that we live in to, to maintain that tender heartedness because there's so much stuff going on that we want to not be tender hearted about. But we've got to remind ourselves we've got to maintain that tender heartedness towards one another we've got to be courteous and 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 realize the compassion of the Lord that He had on us. Realize that God is courteous towards us. God is courteous. This is one thing that my wife always reminded me of you know the Lord is a perfect gentleman he's a perfect gentleman, and you think of Jesus, he wrote his letter to the church of Laodicea right in Revelation chapter 3 and he says behold I stand at the door and knock and if any man hears my voice let him open the door this is the Lord here he is knocking at the door of this church wanting to come back in if you'll let me come back in I'll, I'll be your king I'll be your God I'll be your shepherd I'll be your Lord and here is Jesus on the outside on the other side of the door Knocking at the door, wanting so desperately to come in. This is the God that we have, the compassionate, the tenderhearted, the courteous. And this is what he's called us to, to be compassionate, tenderhearted, and courteous. Peter describes the kind of warm love that should be among the people of God. We should be compassionate, brotherly, tenderhearted, and even polite. Christians should treat each other with, with great love. Remember that it was this measure of of love that Jesus gave. Uh, he he told his disciples that they would be known by their words, no, by their love. This is how the, the world will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Amen. That's John thirteen thirty five. He goes on. Peter goes on here. He says uh, in verse 9. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. We're not to return evil for evil or reviling for reviling. And so what this means is that revenge is out. <laughs> revenge is it, it, revenge is out of the question. It's off the table. It's off the table for the Christian. It's not one of the options. I mean, it, there, there are sometimes we do want to take matters into our own hands. We do want to repay. And there, and there are people that have been hurt by other Christians, other people in churches. There's, there's, I, I can think of scenarios right now that we're living through, of situations that we're living through right now in our family, of, of, of the church doing things, people in the church doing things to one another. And, man, I, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes you want to. You want to repay, you want to to bring this vengeance. Well, I'm going to tell them, I'm going to show them, well, we'll do this and we'll do such and such. But Peter says, Peter reminds us here of the words of God. He says, "Do do not bring back reviling for reviling or evil for evil. And this is found in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 35, 32. Verse 35, where God said, This is God speaking, and he says, Vengeance is mine and recompense. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Vengeance is mine and recompense. I will repay. But look what he says after that. I, I, I thought about I could just add that line and just leave it because you're familiar with that, right? You're, you've heard that. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Vengeance is mine and recompense. But look at what follows. Their foot shall slip in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand and the things to come hasten upon them. Those that are doing evil, those that are bringing that reviling, those that are doing those things, just don't take it into your hands. Don't take it into your hands let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He took on the form of man. He went and humbled himself all the way to becoming obedient to the point of death, even death upon a cross. Remember when, can you can you imagine, can you imagine being at, at, the, at the Lord's trial? Here he is on trial, And the Bible tells us that as the sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He laid his life down as a sacrifice for us. He was before Pilate. And we were talking about this this week. You know, Pilate pronounced Christ to be innocent twice. You read the the passage. Pilate actually pronounced him innocent twice, but it was because of the political dynamic that was going on in the Roman Empire, and specifically in Judea, that he allowed that crucifixion to take place. And, of course, Jesus told him, "You, you have no authority over me. Anyways, only the authority that has been given to you by my heavenly Father. Amen? So, I mean... The whole picture is is the Lord laying his life down to, to, to be the sacrifice. But we've got to do this. And, you know, my dad always used to tell me, and I think it just rings true, you can never lose taking the Jesus position. You can never lose taking the Jesus position. And oh, how great of a piece of advice. That is for our lives. I mean, we need to write that one down, maybe put that up in some needlepoint and hang it up in the bathroom. Amen? (laughs) (laughs) Paul talks about this whole idea of not repaying evil in his letter to the Romans in chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 19, I'll have it on the screen. He says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, But rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. This is actually probably where most Christians know that Deuteronomy 32 passage from, but Paul here is quoting from the Old Testament, he's quoting from the Torah. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. So, Christian, it's not for you to be an avenger. and no civil war let's be current here amen to love his brothers that's for all the people that are Marvel fans amen <laughs> verse 21 by the way he says do not overcome by do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good do not be overcome now this is this is where it's like you have the, 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 the passive response is to not take vengeance into your own hands. But the positive response is, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In other words, how the Lord is telling us to overcome evil is with good, is with doing good. And so, and it's exactly where Peter flows into back in our text in First Peter in chapter 3 he says quoting from psalm 34 verses 12 through 16 and verse 10 here in 1st peter 3 he says for he who would love life and see good days let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit let him turn away from evil and do good let him seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the lord are on the righteous and the ears and his ears are open to their prayers but the face of the lord is against those who do evil. So here Peter is quoting from the psalm, Psalm 34 is the passage. And he's talking about how to 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 receive blessing and how to be a blessing in life. If if you want a good life, if you, if you if you want this goodness, then then you need to not have deceit in your mouth. You not need, need, need to not have any vileness in your in your mouth, the mouth is, is, is so critical. You know, one of the things that the Bible spoke of Christ is, you know, there was no guile in his mouth. There was no deceit in the, in the mouth of the Lord. There was no, no, no guile in that sense. And, and so the command for us is, uh, is of the same, to refrain our tongues from evil and our lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Doing good is difficult. Because as a general rule, evil is rewarded immediately. We see evil done and we see the consequence of evil. And we want to, we want to ah, jump in there and do something about it. But the rewards of good are better. Sometimes the reward of doing good is often delayed, but the rewards of good are better and far more secure than the rewards of doing evil. God promises this in this passage quoted by Peter, promising the good of the Lord, His eyes being upon you, the, the good of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord towards you in your life. There are tremendous blessings in serving the Lord and doing what is right. And this is what God's people, his sons and daughters, are called to. We're called to righteousness. We're called to doing what's right. And even when bad things happen, even when people do wrong things, when they wrong us, when they, when they say uh, things against us, when they backbite us, when they talk about us behind our backs, whatever it is that they're doing, yes, people will do that. But what we're called to as believers, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, we're called to serve the Lord. To love the Lord and to do what's right. And when we do that and we commit ourselves to that in our lives, there's tremendous blessing that flows into our lives. Now, people, when you say blessing and all this, the, the modern mind thinks about like, you know, instantaneously going to financial blessing. And you can be you can be wealthy, you can be so rich and wealthy and be miserable and not blessed at all. i mean there's there's actually you you hear of this people in 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 the high stakes financial world committing suicide, not being able to deal with it, not being able to, to 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 put it in proper context and so if you're only if you only are looking to financial blessing in that sense you're missing the bigger picture of the blessing of god blessing of God is is a peace that passes understanding it's it's the Mary Joe talked about it last week the, the the righteousness of God the holiness of God the peace of God guarding our hearts you know she talked about it right a, a military term of you know there's a a battalion set in place to guard you know and and this is the type of thing so there's tremendous blessing in honoring the Lord, serving the Lord, loving the Lord, and doing what's right. There's tremendous blessing. Now I want to close with, with a story tonight. Um, when we were pastoring in Orlando, I invited a lot of people to church. I've, I've always invited uh, people to church. In fact, I've invited some people um, to be here tonight. They're not here, but maybe they'll be here next week. But I've invited a lot of people to church. One day I invited some people to church inviting these people and i found out i learned that one of the guys that i invited used to play football in the nfl for the seattle seahawks his name was cortez kennedy wouldn't you know my surprise one sunday morning when i looked out and here they come here he comes into the church i'm like oh my goodness they came (laughs) wow this is incredible Long story short, he and his friends came to the church and started attending our church. And I would meet Cortez for lunch. He lived in a, a really nice neighborhood in Orlando, Lake Nona. If you're familiar with Orlando at all, I would have to come up to the gate, put, give my name. Yes, he's expecting you. Go on up to the clubhouse. And, you know, it was like, oh, wow, this is the, you know, the rich and famous. This is how it's done. Okay, let me, let me figure, how, let's figure out how to do this, okay? We would have lunch. And a couple of years after I knew him, after he had been attending the church, he was voted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I told uh, Cortez, I told Cortez, I, we sat at lunch the day before the calls were going to go out for the, for the Hall of Fame. I said, Cortez, and I prayed with him there at the, at the, at the restaurant at Lake Dona. And I said, I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going to tell you right now, if you get the call tomorrow night, because they would, they would, the, the final call would come in on Super Bowl the night before the Super Bowl. So then the new inductees would literally be at the Super Bowl. And I don't know if you ever watched the Super Bowl. The guys that just get inducted, they're, they're invited onto the field at the Super Bowl. So I said, Cortez, I said, if you get the call tomorrow that you're going into the Hall of Fame, I'm telling you right now, me and Mary Joe and the boys, we're going to make the drive to Canton, Ohio, and we're going to be there for your enshrinement into the Hall of Fame. Sure enough, we made the drive all the way up to Ohio, Canton, Canton, Ohio, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the whole thing, ESPN, all of it. Cortez is inviting me. I'm running into like Rich Eisen in the, in the, the gift shop and all that, you know, it's crazy stuff, you know? And, um, and when we were up there, part of the class that went in with Cortez, there was a guy also in his class and his name was Curtis Martin. Do you remember Curtis Martin? He, ran, he was a running back for the, the, the Jets. He started out, I think, with the Patriots, and then he got traded to the Jets. He was mostly with the Jets. And, um, and he was a great running back. And Curtis Martin gave in his speech that night one of the most awesome speeches that I've ever heard of anybody going into the Hall of Fame. And he talked about that he wore number 28. And the reason why he wore number 28 is because early on, someone had told him about Deuteronomy 28. And I remember when we came in to the Hall of Fame, they had a little hallway set up of some stuff that they had gotten from the new inductees. And they had Curtis Martin's Bible. Would you believe this? They had his Bible, and it was opened up Deuteronomy 28. And that was the number that he wore. And the number that he wore was 28 because of this chapter that he would take his Bible onto the field every week before the game and he would read it because he wanted to be reminded of the blessing of God for living for God in his life. And I want to read you part of Deuteronomy 28 without commentary. I just want to read it to you. Amen. This chapter is all about the blessing of God's people. It deals with the benefits and blessings that are those that are on those who love and serve the Lord only and do what's right. Deuteronomy 28. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. And they shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. And the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses, in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways... Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your ground and in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure the heavens to give you the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. So shall you shall not turn aside from any of these words that I command you this day, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Now you can finish up and read the rest of the chapter, but while... What a powerful, powerful chapter. Now, the promise to the believer is strong. The promise of the blessing of the Lord, the promise to the believer is strong. If God will be your God and you will love him and serve him, the blessing is assured. And this promise that was made to Israel, Israel was blessed. When Israel served the Lord, when Israel loved the Lord, when Israel worshiped the Lord, they were blessed. They came into a land flowing with milk and honey. They came in and dwelt in dwelling places that they did not build. They harvested from, from vineyards that they did not plant. God blessed them in, a, in abundance when the God was their God and when they served the Lord. And God blessed them. Not just to bless them so that they could just be, all oh, this great nation, but God blessed them to raise them up as a light to the, the other nations around them that did not know and did not have the true living God in their lives. Right. And it's the same for you and I, Christian. The blessing is assured. You go back and th- through and read those verses again and again. And some of you were reminded of some of those verses, you know, you, you're, you're the head and not the tail. Some of those powerful truths that we've learned in Scripture. So I want to close with this tonight. Be a blessing. Be a blessing in your life because God has abundantly blessed you. And if you'll serve him, and if you'll trust him, and if you'll obey him, and he will be your God, the blessing is assured, Christian. So determine tonight. Determine tonight that you're going to live for God and serve him. And determine that you're going to be a blessing to others in your life, even when they are not a blessing to you.